all, and welcome back to Mindful Minds. Thank you so much for joining us today. Today, we're going to be chatting about intersectional sustainability with Ariel Green of at Sustainable Brown Girl. How are you doing today? I am doing amazing. Thanks so much for having me on. Yeah, of course. Um, we've had one other episode about sustainability, but it was um, during the holidays. And so it ended up being like pretty holiday centric of gifts and how to do trees and kind of like how to do all of that in a more sustainable way. Um, but sustainability was something that I got really interested in in college um, because it was honestly kind of just a popular topic for people to talk about. And I didn't really know much. And so I started kind of researching. Um, and uh, I, I got uh, sucked into the whole of the guilt and the shame of like consumerism and being like, mm-hmm. I single-handedly must fix this problem. It's on my back. And so as a little college student with like very little money, I decided to like pour all of my money into like organic paper towels and like trying to like get everything that was like reusable and like spent so much money on it. And then like realized like, okay, like it was good intentions, but like, I did this the wrong way. Like I ended up just buying all new products when I could have used things I already had. Mm. Um, And so I think that sustainability, um, the conversation really peaked like two years ago. And then I think with COVID, like what I've seen at least in society is people have kind of forgotten about it to an extent because with COVID people have kind of been like, okay, well I have to have disposable things to survive to an extent where it's like, I use disposable masks. Like that's what people say is like the safest and like gloves and like disinfectant wipes and all these different things that people are kind of using for survival to an extent. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I can't imagine that's been good for the environment, all of the disposable stuff, right. but I wanted to have this conversation because I think that having a conversation that focuses on like intersectionality and nuance is probably very needed. Um, especially just with, um, where we are in society right now. And also the pressure that a lot of people put on themselves, um, when they start learning about sustainability and environmentalism and they're like, Oh my God, I have to fix all of this. And, and it can get very overwhelming very quickly. Um, so, um, I'm so happy to have you on because this has been something that I've wanted to talk about for a while and specifically like the nuance of it. Um, but I wanted to give you a shot to kind of explain a little bit of your background and kind of how you got into this like field of, of work and this topic um, and then why you started your Instagram. Yes. So um, I started Sustainable Brown Girl back in 2019. This was a couple of years after I started like my own sustainable journey, um, which my sustainable journey kind of started randomly, I guess, because I was looking for like clean beauty products. And like while doing that, you know, like I started learning about different ingredients and like how they're bad for you and they're bad for the planet. And then like from there, I just kind of like started learning about like different packaging and like, you know, how plastic is bad for the planet and just learning more about climate change and stuff. And so um, I was kind of like you where it was like, I was like, oh, my God, I'm doing the worst thing ever. You know, like I like. I make so much plastic and so much waste and you kind of have like this really sense of like everything is my fault and it's like I have to do my best but um 
that's that's a side note. <laughs> but um, when I started Sustainable Brown Girl, I started that because as I was like learning more about climate change and trying to find different sustainable influencers on Instagram and YouTube, I didn't see many people of color. Most of the um, people in the forefront were, you know, like white women who came from, you know, middle class or higher backgrounds. And I was like, there's like no way that I'm the only person of color who's interested in saving the planet. So I um, like kind of went into a deeper dive on Instagram and YouTube. And I found so many women of color who were doing sustainability in their own way. And I just found that really interesting. So I started the Instagram account to like kind of, it was kind of like a um, feature page to, you know, show different people who were doing different things and sustainability. But um, once 2020 rolled around and everyone was like starting podcasts and, you know, things were moving more online, um, I started the podcast and because, you know, I thought that it was a better way to highlight their stories, get more of a full picture of what they're doing. And yeah, it's just, it's been so incredible meeting different people who are doing sustainability in their own way. Yeah. And that's a really, a really good point in terms of like the representation that a lot of the bigger names in the sustainable, like the same sustainability, um, kind of like online presence is a lot, it's it's a lot of white women. Um, Mm -hmm. and that was one of the reasons why your account stuck out to me because, um, I think that there is some intersectionality there that, um, people of color have, uh, honestly just more experience with. And the, there's a lot of, um, I, I think even like any type of kind of social movement, like being eco-friendly or whatever, um, it can get really exclusive and very like, if you're not doing it this exact right way, like you don't belong in the community. And that was one of the things that really turned me off to a lot of different online communities when it came to sustainability and even like veganism and things like that. It was like, well, I don't feel like I'm, I don't feel like I fit in here because I'm not doing it exactly the right way. Even if it's like, I don't have the finances to do it the right way, or I don't have, um, it's not accessible for me. And I think a lot of the times those types of, um, nuances get left out because doing sustainability across the board at all these, you know, super expensive grocery stores and like it, it, that, that is not accessible for everybody. And often that gets left out. Um, and so that was actually, um, one of the reasons why I had, um, Alex Gamboa grand on, um, which is, uh, she's the, yeah, she, so she, she was on, uh, for the holiday episode. And we talked a little bit about just kind of like the all or nothing mentality of sustainability, where it's Mm -hmm. like, if you're not doing everything perfect, you often feel like you don't fit in, but also that you feel like you have the weight of the world on your shoulders, where you hear so many really Mm -hmm. scary things about the way that the world is going. And it's like, oh my God, if I use a plastic straw, it's all going to be over. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It's going to be all on my back. And like, I can't handle that. And that's, that's a lot of pressure for people who, um, also like, you know, the way that the world is when it comes to environmentalism and where we're at with our, with the earth and and how bad things are, it's not an individualist thing. It's, it's a, it's big corporations and it's, it's a lot of things that have kind of just been forced into a society. But, um, 
yeah, I, I, that was one of the reasons why your page stand out, stood out to me. Just the, I, like, like you said, I don't, haven't seen a lot of people of color, um, in the space. And I think a lot of the times it's because the, the accounts are often smaller because people, the, it's, it's become kind of a white dominated space, which I don't think is appropriate. And I also don't think is often, um, I don't know, not accurate, but I don't think that it's the best well-informed take. Like anytime you see a space that's dominated by only one type of person, it's like, well, this might not be the most well-informed <laughs> community. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I, I really appreciate what you do. And, um, really enjoyed when I, when I found your page, I was like, Oh my God, I love this. Um, but I wanted to yeah. get into a little bit of the, um, we can start with sustainability has become like quite the trending topic. We've talked about that a little bit. Um, why is it important to address, uh, other human rights issues when it comes to dealing with sustainability? Like where's the crossover there? Um, I would say like one of the biggest things that's on my radar when it comes to human rights issues within sustainability is like the clothing industry. So fast fashion is super harmful to the environment, as many of us know. But I think um, aside from that, like one of the major issues with the clothing industry and fast fashion industry is that a lot of the workers come from black and brown communities, you know, in less, um, less privileged countries, and they are paid like pennies on the dollar, and they are working in unsafe environments. And so to me, like, that's a huge human rights issue, just because, these mega companies like Shein and H&M are making so much money, but they aren't paying their workers fairly and they're putting them in harmful environments that are damaging to both the environment, of course, but also their health. So yeah, so that's where I, that's like the biggest place that I see um, sustainability and human rights issues like going hand in hand. Yeah, no, I think that that's definitely um, super important and like a valid part of the conversation. And I think that often, um, I don't know, I think we can get really disconnected from it, if that makes sense. Like it, it can be something that because you're not looking at it and you're not understanding the severity of like, hey, well, what if I was in that person's position? Like what if I was in a sweatshop or I was in a situation that was like horrible working environment and I'm being you know, work to the bone and not being paid. And I'm, I'm living in intense poverty because of it. Um, but it can be, you can be so disconnected when it's like, you're often not thinking about that when you buy like a $4 shirt, <laughs> it's just like, right. Oh, it's so cheap. And like, who cares? Um, so with that, with that being said too, I know that another kind of hand in hand thing with the conversation around fast fashion is that, um, ethical fashion choices and like, um, you know, fair trade goods and stuff are often a lot more expensive. So what would you say to someone who maybe can only afford, you know, Shein or H&M or uh, Forever 21 or Walmart or whatever, or companies that kind of just put clothing out very quickly and for very cheap? Mm -hmm. Um, I would say 
like consider secondhand options. <laughs> you know, like I know a lot of people kind of shy away from that, but personally, um, I am pregnant. I'm like five months pregnant. And so I am like, okay, like I'm, I want to buy my baby, like all the cute things, but it's like a sustainable onesie is like $35, you know? And right. it's like, I, you know, like I don't want to spend that for something that they're going to wear for three months. Yeah. So literally today I was on Facebook and I bought like 30 pieces of clothing for my little baby girl for less than $20. And, you know, like you kind of have to get over wanting to feel like, oh, like other people have worn this or, you know, like I want the, I want something new, but it's like, it's better for the environment, you know? And it's just, I don't know. I, I just feel like knowing what fast fashion does to the planet. I know some people don't have an option. Like, you know, if you can't afford something that's expensive, you know, and that's ethically made, like, I totally get that. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't ever buy fast fashion. Like, I've bought something from H&M since I've been on my sustainable journey. Like, not everything I buy is secondhand or from a sustainable company, but it's, I think, all about being aware. You know, like, don't beat yourself up if you really need something new and you've exhausted all of your secondhand options or something. Um, but I, I think it's all about just being conscious and just like really trying your best, you know. But at the end of the day, you can only do what you can do. Um, but you can you can make the best decision. Yeah, no, that's that's super fair. I think the exhausting all of the options is a really good point of like, at the very least, like, look into it. You know what I mean? Like, if you're looking for a, a winter coat and you know you like this one from Target, like, maybe look into if there's a used option. I do that a lot with um, books. And I, I have contamination OCD. So thrifting is pretty much never an option for me. It, it sends me into full-blown panic attacks. And so that was one thing within kind of the sustainability, like, forum, I guess, that I was like, oh, I do not fit this narrative at all. And for me, it's been more just, like, not really buying clothes unless I really need clothes. Like, if I have, like, I've bought, like, okay, I bought a new winter coat or whatever because mine had holes in it. <laughs> it's, like, you know, I try really hard to not buy things. And I do buy things. I'm not, like, I, I'm in no way saying I never buy new clothing. But um, I often will try to kind of think twice about it. And to be honest, um, my sustainability journey has taken quite the nosedive since COVID because with contamination OCD – and COVID, it has been a lot of disposable things, a lot of cleaning products, a lot of ordering things and trying to stay inside and trying to, you know, be safe and also like protect my mental health. And I think it's been one of those things where I was really hard on myself at it, like about it at first, because at the like, right before the pandemic happened, I was like at the height of my sustainability journey and was feeling really good about it and like was making really good decisions and felt really at peace with it. And the pandemic really threw a wrench through that. Um, and I think the biggest thing that I've learned at the very least is trying to find areas that I can um, kind of contribute to the cause of sustainability without beating myself up for not doing everything. Um, because feasibly, if I'm looking at like kind of a cost risk analysis, um, 
trying to only buy used clothing will destroy my mental health because my contamination OCD is so bad. And so it's like cost risk, cost, uh, risk analysis is like, okay, well, that's a little bit too high of, of a, a cost and a risk for me. Like it's, it's just not really, it's not worth destroying my mental health. And so how can I figure out other ways to make it work? And like, I'm like, okay, well, I, I love like with books, I, I'll buy only used books. Like I don't need to be buying new books. Why do I need new books? Um, or, you know, with, uh, grocery shopping, how can I buy from maybe farmer's markets and do a lot of farmer's market shopping instead of doing, you know, target or how can I make switches to vegan products that maybe I can't go entirely vegan. Um, but can I do, you know, no dairy and butter and cheese and like, you know, just little things that might seem like they're not really making that big of a difference. And they really might not be making that big of a difference, to be honest. I don't know the statistics of it. So there's a good chance that it's really not making that big of a difference. But it's more of just like a, okay, how can I find little compromises here and there that work for my lifestyle? Um, and ideally, I would love to make it back to where I was. And I think in order to do that, COVID needs to not be the threat that it is right now. Um, and that's out of my control. It's like, I, I've done everything I can to be safe and conscious and respectful of other people during COVID and keep everyone safe. And that's something that's so far out of my personal control. And so, um, it's been me making little adjustments to kind of fit my, uh, where I am in life and also where society is and where like health crises are. Cause I don't think anyone was expecting health crises that were, um, kind of require a lot of disposable things. Um, but yeah, and with, with all that being said, um, like sustainability is, is a big kind of trendy word and it's used a lot. And so is environmentalism and eco-friendly and all that kind of stuff. And I think it means a lot of different things to different people. Um, but what would you say sustainability means to you specifically? To me, I would say sustainability means being conscious of your impact on the planet and I mean, it kind of goes further than like environmentalism, but I think sustainability, like the term and the way that it's used most frequently is like in terms of like eco-friendliness and, you know, loving the planet and stuff like that. So I would just say like being conscious because, you know, like you said, everyone is in different places and we can't all do all the things and, you know, just finding where you can make a difference without sacrificing your mental health and your financial stability <laughs> is really important to, you know, feeling like you are doing your best and, um, you know, also trying to make an impact. But um, aside from what you do, like physically, I think like spreading the word and opening conversations with people about how they can make better choices every day is a big in part is a big part of sustainability as well at least in in my opinion because a lot of people doing sustainability imperfectly is much better than a few people doing it perfectly you know yeah i've heard that a lot that was one of the things that really shifted my viewpoint which i think i talked about this a little bit in my episode with alex but um there was a graphic going around um, for a little bit, um, saying like, 
thank you to the person who is vegan but still uses plastic straws and like thank you to the person who um you know tries to shop at farmers markets but still shops at target for their clothing and it was kind of like trying to acknowledge that like trying to do everything all the time is funny enough not sustainable in a mental health or financial way for a lot of people and that mm-hmm. sustainability kind of can cross over from obviously being sustainable and eco-friendly and that kind of thing with the earth. But also, how do you make that sustainable long term for your lifestyle, your income, your um, level of accessibility? Because, yeah, the, the sacrificing your financial stability thing is a really good point as well. When I first started, I literally spent an ungodly amount of money on like sustainability things, kind of like the sustainability like starter kit kind of a thing. And I then Googled, because my, my journey kind of also started as clean beauty. It was me finding out that a lot of the beauty products that I used were tested on animals. And I was like, oh my God, like, I can't do this. And so I kind of freaked out and did the thing that everyone tells you not to do, where I literally threw away like every single beauty product that I had because I was panicked. And part of it was like the moral and ethical qualm of just like, oh my God, I can't use this on my face knowing that like I hurt an animal in the process. Like it really messed with my head. And I like threw everything away and spent so much money to the point where like I was in college and was making like not a lot of money. I was working part time and like, you know, didn't have the finances to spend that much money on sustainability. And I ended up like putting myself in like a bad financial situation because I was spending so much money like monthly on like products. Even like I had a Grove collaborative subscription and I was like buying like these huge boxes of like cleaning supplies and organic paper towels. And like, it was just like so expensive and I didn't have the money, but I felt so much pressure and like anxiety around like, Oh my God, the world is dying and it's my fault. And like these animals are getting hurt and it's my fault that I put all of the responsibility on my own back and on my wallet, (laughs) which was not a great decision long-term. Um, So for people who maybe are also doing that or also feel that anxiety and kind of that responsibility, what would your advice be to someone um, who maybe wants to make an impact but doesn't feel like they can do it all? What's a good starting point, do you think? I would say assessing where you feel like maybe you create the most waste or where you feel like you want to shift your habits to. So for example, um, taking the beauty factor, if you feel like you are really creating a lot of waste within the beauty section, or, you know, you want to change what types of products that you're buying, then I would focus specifically on that for, for, you know, a certain amount of time until you feel like you have that underway. Or, if you feel like you want to eat more plant-based meals or, you know, you want to reduce your food waste, then focus on that, you know, and not so much like the beauty aspect. So I would say just like focus on one thing at a time until you kind of feel like you are in a good place with that before moving on to something else, because it's super overwhelming to try to do everything at once. And you totally can't, you know, (laughs) it's going to be expensive. It's going to be taxing on your mental health to try to do everything at once. So just focus on like 
one thing at a time and then, you know, maybe work your way up from there. Yeah, that's great advice. I think it definitely can be overwhelming. (laughs) There's a lot of information out there. And with that being said, too, there's a lot of misinformation surrounding sustainability as well. A lot of misinformation. So one of the things that we wanted to do today was to kind of debunk some myths about sustainability. Um, And so the first one that we have is many people think that in order to be sustainable, every aspect of their life has to be sustainable, which we've kind of touched on a little bit. But is that true? Can you call yourself someone who lives a sustainable lifestyle if not every aspect of your life is sustainable? Oh, yeah. I mean, no, not every aspect of your life needs to be sustainable. Like some people probably have a problem that I'm not vegan, (laughs) you know, and I consider myself to be an environmentalist and a sustainable person, but I still eat meat. I mean, I try to be I try not to do it often, but like I've been vegan before. I've been vegetarian for a significant portion of my life, and that's just not what I want to do right now. Um, So, you know, like you definitely can call yourself a sustainable person and not be perfect at everything. I mean, like no one's perfect at everything, and if you are, then you have no life outside of, you know, sustainability. Like <laughs> it's impossible to to really, you know, live your best life and and be focused on all of these things at the same time. So, yeah. No, you can you don't have to do it all. Yeah, no, that's that's good to know. And uh our second one is is sustainability expensive or does it have to be expensive? No way, it doesn't have to be expensive. Like it's tempting to be like, okay, let me throw away all of my plastic Tupperware and buy this glass, you know, Tupperware or whatever, or like, like you were saying, wanting to buy like the organic paper towels and, you know, like it's so tempting to get caught up in like the visual aspects of sustainability and wanting it to look a certain way, but that's, that's not sustainable. Um, one thing that when, like when I'm interviewing a lot of people on my, the sustainable Brown girl podcast, like we talk a lot about how ugly sustainability can be. Like, you know, you're reusing, um, like butter containers and, you know, like you're reusing plastic bags that you've had for forever. And, you know, like sustainability, doesn't have to be expensive. True sustainability probably shouldn't be expensive. So, so yeah, no, just use what you have and, um, you know, do what you can. That's a great point about the aesthetics. I didn't really think about, um, that was probably the main reason why I bought as much stuff as I did was because it was like, well, I want everything to be matchy and bamboo and the same color. And like, you know, do you think that in the long run, kind of the, mainstream mainstreamification (laughs) of sustainability when it comes to a lot of large companies like starting to promote it and I know there's a lot of greenwashing in that too but um do you think that like that has uh in the long run almost harmed sustainability where it makes people feel like unless their sustainability is aesthetically pleasing it isn't actual sustainability 
Um, I don't know if it's more of like large companies, but I would say definitely a lot of influencers make it look that way. Um, and then, I mean, maybe some of some companies have kind of fed into that with the uh, products and stuff that they create and promote. But yeah, for the for the most part, I feel like it's more the like white middle upper class um, influencers who have uh, contributed to that. Yeah. Yeah. I'd probably second that. <laughs> um, <laughs> what about, um, this, this wasn't on our list of myths and it isn't really a myth. It's more just a clarifying question, but greenwashing mm-hmm. has been a topic of, um, like a trendy, more important topic lately, especially like I've, I've seen it, especially cause I think that the conversation from sustainability in the last like two years has kind of shifted to pointing the finger at the individual and then kind of pointing the figure at corporations where for a while it was like the whole plastic straw thing of like, it's you, you're killing the turtles. And now it's kind of like, well, no, let's look at like the carbon emissions of these huge, huge, huge companies. Like who's really doing the most damage here? Even the, um, the article that released like a few, what, like a month or two ago um, about the celebrities and like who's using their jet and who's using their jet the most and how, yeah. how, how much, you know, X, Y, Z they're doing it. It's, it's more pointing the finger towards, okay, the, the 1% or the 2% or whatever are creating a lot of, of this problem. So when it comes to um, like greenwashing with, with bigger, you know, companies and their kind of marketing schemes, what does that mean? And like, how, how can you kind of stay vigilant and be aware of greenwashing to be able to kind of avoid supporting those companies. Cause I don't, I don't think a lot of people know what it actually means. Yeah. Well, I guess greenwashing is when a company typically has a product or something where they say that, Oh, this is environmentally friendly, but it's really not. So some things that I've seen, um, that are like major red flags in greenwashing are with H and M's, um, conscious label or something like that, where, you know, like they have this specific label where it's made from, I don't know, like organic materials or something. I, I'm not exactly sure what, what their claim is, but that's definitely greenwashing. I've also seen recently how I think it's dial has like these refillable, um, soap like packets that come in plastic, you know, and it's supposed to be like refills. But to me, it's just like that, that doesn't seem like it's better, like it's a better option. I mean, I guess you're not buying the full like plastic bottle each time, but I don't know. It's, I would say like, just as far as like being vigilant, (laughs) like just, um, I don't know. It's hard to say because it varies from like company to company, but if something just kind of feels off to you, like typically if it's like a big company who is saying that they're, you know, doing this one sustainable thing and and 90% of their uh, products aren't sustainable, that's kind of something to, you know, look out for. Yeah, no, that's fair. Um, what are, do you know of any companies um, or even small businesses or kind of collectives that are um, better, that, that are like actual like companies that you would suggest for people to support? 
Oh yeah. Um, let's see when it comes to cleaning products, I like drops. They have good, um, dishwasher pods, like they're cleaner, they're like plastic free. And I love those. They also have, um, like laundry detergent, which is, it's not my favorite, but some people really like it. Clean Cult is my favorite for laundry detergent. They have refillable um, like bottles and it's made from clean ingredients. Um, Target also has some pretty decent um, cleaning products. Not all plastic free, but they are made from cleaner ingredients. Um, yeah, those yeah, I mean, that's that's what comes to the top of my head for cleaning. But yeah. What about for um, like, I mean, I know clothing primarily like secondhand and furniture is good to do secondhand and thrifting and antique shops and things like that. Um, but what about food? Like, what would you recommend for food? Do you have uh places that you like the best besides like, I know farmer's markets are fantastic, but like, aside from that, if someone maybe can't afford the prices at a farmer's market, like what would be a good alternative? Um, so like for fresh fruits and veggies, when you go to the grocery store, just bring your own, um, produce bags. So that kind of cuts back on, plastic waste um you know like if that's what you're thinking of you can buy like cloth produce bags from amazon if you want to or other places um also there's this other place online called hive i think it's called hivebrands.com and they have lots of different ethically um ethically made food They have other things other than food, but that's typically what I buy from there. It's kind of like Thrive Market, but you don't have to pay a subscription fee. I love Thrive Market and I hate the subscription fee because half the time, like I don't pay, I don't shop there every single month, but I'm gluten-free and I'm dairy-free and they have so many options for both of those things. And they also like use minimal packaging to an extent, like they're pretty cautious Mm -hmm. about their packaging. And they pack so much shit into one box. Like if you've ever gotten a box from Thrive Market, they will pack as much as they possibly can into the smallest box possible and still make sure nothing breaks. And it's, yes. it's quite a, it's quite an art. <laughs> yes. Check out Hive and you'll like them. Yeah, no, that's great. Um, that's been one of my biggest things with COVID is like the online shopping and the packaging because it was like, I couldn't leave my house really but I don't know if you've noticed this or if you ever shop from Target or ship from Target. But um, I don't know if this is a new thing that they're doing or if they just if this has always been how they've done online shopping. But um, they package every single item in a different box. No. Every wow. item. And so I will have an order of like say like 10 items and it'll be every single item. And I'm just like. Even if you like, they have a thing where you can check like less boxes and like it might delay your shipping time. And it's like, that's fine, whatever. And I'll still like get like six boxes. And I'm like, you guys, please. Like, and it partially is the environmental, environmental aspect where it's like, this is terrible. Part of it is who the hell wants to break down six boxes for their little <laughs> tiny order of like grocery items? Like it's ridiculous. And so that's one of the things that like, like 
turned me off to I, I mean I if I ever shop from Target I try so hard to do like a, a pickup order like even like their drive up or whatever so that I'm not doing shipping but like it's because it's so obnoxious and I've even like gone as far as like contacting their customer service and being like why do you guys do this and she's like I don't really know I don't I didn't really know that was a thing and I was like every order I've ever gotten from you has given me like 10 boxes and it, it makes me look crazy because I'm walking into my apartment complex with like four trips of boxes <laughs> for maybe like a 10 item order it's and, and I've literally had a box that's like the size of a shoe box to ship like something as small as maybe like uh neosporin like that small wow. and it'll do this like massive box it's it's absurd um but yeah thrive market i've always i've always really liked do you do you have feelings about growth collaborative i ordered one of their like packages at the beginning of my sustainable journey and i mean i guess it's okay but some some of those things you can find at Target now. Um, I forget like what the dish soap is. Oh, but... like My- Myers and Myers. I've heard yeah. is actually doesn't really do that much. I've heard that Myers is a little bit of a scam. Like they're <laughs> um, they're like whatever their spray cleaner has no, it has nothing in it. It's it's furniture polish. Like it's literally just furniture wow. polish. To the point where they got yeah. sued. <laughs> like it was like an actual lawsuit. Serious? Yeah, oh they got gosh. sued because it was like it was kind of advertising as a disinfectant, and it's not. It's literal furniture mm-hmm. spray that has an ass ton of fragrance in it, and so it just smells yeah. really nice. Um, and it's fun if you like get the seasonal one or whatever, and you want things to kind of smell seasonal. But like I was using it as disinfectant forever, like thinking that I was like cleaning things, and I was like, oh my god, I wasn't doing anything. <laughs> I was just like yeah. polishing stuff. Um. But I know Grove has some products at um, Target now. Like they have their own like actual like Grove collaborative stuff that you can that has Grove on it that you can buy at Target. Um, mm-hmm. Do you feel that it's okay to support businesses like Target or Amazon? Like, how do you feel about the the actual like the buying stuff from the big companies? Um, I mean, I still buy things from Amazon occasionally, like things that I can't find anywhere else. You know. But I would say that, yes, I think it's okay to still support like Target and some places like that because you want things to be more accessible. You know, like not everyone has the means to order something from Grove Collaborative, but they may want to be able to, you know, buy cleaner products. So I think that by supporting, um, you know, Target specifically, because they they do tend to, I think, have a larger product range for better ingredients. So, yeah, I it may not be my first choice, but I think that it does help to um, get more products to be accessible for people who may not be shopping online. Yeah, no, that's totally fair. Um, back to kind of our list of myths. We have two more. Yeah. Um, can you be sustainable and use plastic? Oh, absolutely. I mean, <laughs> I would say not to go overboard with single-use plastics. Um, so, like, if you are ordering from a restaurant, you know, 
try to decline those straws and those um, plastic utensils. If you're going to your favorite coffee shop, you know, try to bring your own cup. Like, you know, try your best to avoid plastics, especially single-use plastics. But again, you can only do what you can do. You know, your mental health is more important than stressing about every single piece of plastic that makes its way into your life. But yeah, you can definitely be sustainable and still use plastic as long as you're trying your best to minimize it. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's fair. I think that's been kind of a a take on sustainability that has changed pretty drastically in the past, like three or four years. The initial kind of response was definitely like a, if you use plastic, like you're anti-sustainability and everyone was like, but the whole world is plastic. (laughs) How do we do this? (laughs) Um, Okay. The last one is, do you have to be vegan to be sustainable? You kind of touched on this a little bit earlier. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you have to be vegan? And if, if if veganism isn't an option for you, what are some ways to reduce waste, like food waste, and um, maybe reduce um, economic or not economic uh, environmental harm in the way that you eat? Yeah, I think. Well, yeah, obviously, I, I personally, I think you don't have to be vegan to be sustainable. Um, some ways that I cut back on my meat intake is well, first of all, I don't eat beef or pork at all. So I know that beef is like a big contributor to, um, you know, like environmental harm. So if you don't mind cutting back on your beef intake, then that's a great way to, you know, reduce that. And then just in general, just eating more meatless meals, you know, try incorporating one meatless meal a week and work your way up from there. Um, Also, If you can buy like more ethically farmed meat, that's probably better. Um, I know, well, I just did a um, campaign for Applegate, who has this uh, regenerative, regenerative, (laughs) regeneratively farmed hot dog. So, you know, they're trying to be more ethical with the way that they're producing beef. Um, So... And like cutting out dairy, if you can, you know, instead of using regular milk, like there's so many great milk alternatives, you know, just like trying to cut back wherever you can. Again, you don't have to be perfect, but I think being conscious about your meat and dairy intake is a good first step to take. Um, And then also, like I was saying earlier, as far as like reducing your waste, um, Use those produce bags when you're getting produce instead of the plastic, you know, disposable ones. Um, Take your grocery bags to the store so that you don't have to get the, you know, regular plastic bags. Um, And if you can shop in bulk, like if you have a Sprouts near you or something. I don't know. I haven't been to Sprouts in a while. But when I went a few months ago, it did seem like they're starting to... um, open back up their like bulk bins because during the pandemic they just like put everything in plastic so you couldn't bring your own bags anymore but I think now they are starting to allow people to bring their own bags so so yeah those are a few ways I think that you can try to cut back yeah no that's great advice I um that's good to know about Applegate too I literally ate one of their corn dogs for lunch (laughs) 
that was my nice. lunch today. Um, so that's good to know. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, no, I, I think um, another way that I found, and this isn't as much on the reducing plastics, but um, I, I live by myself and so I'm shopping for one person, which can be really tricky when it comes to food waste. Um, and I was used to go to farmer's markets and like buy produce. And I realized I waste way more food and way more money when I buy from farmer's markets because having fresh produce often goes bad in my house because Mm -hmm. I don't eat it fast enough and I don't, I'll overbuy and then I won't eat it quick enough. And so I switched to a lot of different frozen things or freezing the veggies that I bought, or maybe I'm cutting up a zucchini and freezing it. Um, because it was like the, the kind of initial aesthetically, like aesthetically pleasing, um, sustainability influencer kind of thing was like your cute little bag and like going to the farmer's market every Saturday and here's your haul. And like, I I really wanted that just for the aesthetics. And I was like, this is not like, I've thrown away like six cucumbers. Like I I can't keep doing this. Like (laughs) this, this is so ridiculous. And so just recently I've been doing a lot more frozen veggies and I eat way more vegetables, which is good for my body. And then I also waste way, way, way less food. And then my, my kind of hack when it comes to vegetables that I buy actually fresh is like, I'll buy avocados because like they don't go bad very quickly or, um, carrots don't go bad very quickly. But like, if it's a cucumber, I'll buy like one. Cause I'm like, I, mm-hmm. I have, I cannot buy more than one. It will go bad. Um, if it's zucchini, they normally go bad pretty quickly. So I'll cut them and I'll freeze them. Um, I almost always buy like frozen broccoli because I'm like, okay, if it just sits there, I hate preparing broccoli. Like I hate chopping it and cleaning it. It just drives me crazy. But if I buy it frozen, I will, I'll actually eat it. Granted, there's sometimes plastic used with the packaging, but at the very least I'm not wasting like intense amounts of food. Um, And then the other kind of thing that I found as well was, um, this was a hack that I've seen on all over TikTok, but, um, the herb hack of putting like herbs in jars of water, like in your fridge and putting like a covering over them. I I've done that with cilantro ever since I saw it. And like my cilantro will last for like two and a half to three weeks in my fridge, like in this little jar of water, like it lasts forever. Um, and that's just me using like old Mason jars that I have that I've had forever that I just fill with water. And that's like how I store my cilantro. Um, and so that's been helpful because like, you know, especially if you're a person shopping for one person, like trying to like estimate what's going to go bad and what's not is an absolute nightmare. Um, But yeah. And then I didn't have this on our outline, but I'm realizing that this episode is probably going to release at the beginning of October. So do you have any tips for a sustainable Halloween now that like, since that holiday will kind of be coming up when this episode releases, do you have any um, kind of tips for how to, do Halloween in a way that doesn't incur a lot of waste? Yes. Um, I did a episode last year around Halloween about um, ways to be more sustainable. And one of those ways was to, um, okay, as far as like costumes go, if you want to, I mean, buying a costume just for, for like one year isn't, isn't the most sustainable, you know, cause you're buying something that you're only going to wear once. So, um, try not to do that. 
unless you're like getting a second hand, I guess, you know, you can do that. But, um, and then like when it comes to decor and stuff, like you can always shop at the Goodwill for decor if that's your thing or, um, like decorate with like natural, you know, get some pine cones from outside or maybe that's more Christmas that's pine cones but (laughs) when it comes to like um pumpkins and stuff a lot of like there's a huge amount of pumpkin waste I can't remember what the statistic was but it's in my my episode from last year um so after like if you buy a bunch of pumpkins and like they go bad there may be some places that will take pumpkins like old pumpkins to like feed their animals or something or you know like just try to find a way to reuse or recycle anything that you know any decor or stuff like that from from Halloween (laughs) yeah no I for one of my things is like keep your decorations I know that sounds silly but like I do know people who try to do a different theme every year or whatever and it's like just buy it once and like keep it like put it in a container you could keep it for 30 40 years whatever like I've my parents have Halloween decorations that they've had like forever like at least 25 years at the very very least um and it's just like using it until it breaks essentially and then last year um me and my friend did some garlands with like dried oranges and um some like little dried flowers and stuff that look that were, you know, fall colors and you pop those on a string and it's super cute and it's a lot cheaper than going and buying something. Um, and then we also did, um, like potpourri is like another kind of like good way to try to like, instead of candles, cause candles are also not great for the environment. Um, but potpourri, and there's also ways to like use your potpourri ingredients after you like steam them and stuff. Like it doesn't have to just be like a one and done. Um, but yeah, we did that a lot. And then we also, um, like, you know, dried leaves and like things like that. Like you can, there's a lot of cute little things that you can kind of like DIY or just like keep your stuff too. Like if you've Mm -hmm. bought stuff, like just don't like, you don't need to buy a new Halloween decoration every single year. Um, right. I, I do love going. I, so one thing I can do with my contamination OCD is I, I can do like decor and like, furniture as long as it's not like upholstered furniture it's like I can't do couches I can't do chairs but like my coffee table is thrifted I have like a thrifted organ like a a literal like organ that you play that's in my house um and we have so many like little like antique like vases and little like knickknacks and stuff that I've used to decorate my house um and there's especially like now that kind of the vintage antique aesthetic is like really in and cute and trendy there are so many like really cute like old 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 halloween decorations that like grandmas have gone and like given to goodwill and they're adorable and it's so cute even like mugs and stuff like that like yeah like target has cute stuff for halloween but like you can get like a really adorable stuff that's probably from the target collection three years ago <laughs> at like a goodwill mm-hmm. yeah um, so yeah i've i that is one thing i um that's one thing that i really love to do is like trying to find um I, I do love thrifting for holiday purposes, like Christmas and Halloween yes. and stuff. There's super cute stuff. Um, and there's also like, even if like thrifting kind of gives you the heebie-jeebies, um, for some reason, antiquing doesn't give me the heebie-jeebies, like going to an antique shop. But for some reason, like thrifting 
does. And I think it's just the amount of clothing in a thrift shop, just because the clothing is what can kind of make me uncomfortable. Um, and so I've found it, uh, probably one of my favorite things in the whole world to do in the fall is to go to, I have this like really big antique mall that I go to. That's like really cozy and cute and I'll make a whole day out of it. And like, I will like take my dog on a walk and I'll go to this like antique place. And it's like, you know, it's a little bit away from my house. And often it's also near like a um, pumpkin patch. And um, so I'll kind of make a pumpkin patch like me and my um, my partner. That was our first date was doing <laughs> this like oh. pumpkin patch date and then going antiquing. And it's like my favorite thing in the whole world. And we also like I'm in an apartment and having a pumpkin in your apartment and having it rot slowly is just rancid so I yeah. never get pumpkins and I'll just be like oh they're cute I'm not buying one like this is gross um but yeah that's a that's a fun way to do it too is if you want to kind of make like a fun little date or a fun little trip out of it and go antiquing if that feels a little bit more safe for you especially if you have issues with contamination I empathize with that entirely and that's been a struggle for me um but um that's kind of a, a safer way when it comes to contamination for me that it, it feels a little bit less contaminated and there's also like you could wear gloves like a lot of times i will wear gloves and i will disinfect whatever i bring home and make sure that i feel like it's safe to bring into my environment um and so there's kind of ways to get around the used aspect of it to some extent if if that makes you feel uncomfortable um but yeah i the last question i wanted to ask you was just if you had one tip to give someone who's just starting their sustainability journey? Like what would that, what would that tip be? Um, I don't know if this is like cliche and not very helpful, but kind of going back to what we said earlier about um, you don't have to do it all at once, you know, focus on an area that you think would be most beneficial to your impact. You know, like if you see your, having, creating a lot of waste in one area or something like that, then, you know, just try to focus on one thing so that you don't feel completely overwhelmed in the beginning. And then you can just work your way up from there. You know, it's, it's a journey, not a destination. So things are always changing. You can always do better, but just try your best in the beginning and, you know, not overwhelm yourself with too much. Yeah, no, I love that advice. Um, and that's essentially what the entire podcast is about, too. That's that's like kind of our slogan is that you can always choose to be more mindful. So um, thank you so much for coming on. I want to give you a chance to, to plug your podcast and where people can find you as well. Um, if I know you've got your Instagram. Do you have anything else where people can find you? Yeah. Um, yeah. So the podcast, Sustainable Brown Girl on all of the podcast platforms, Sustainable Brown Girl on Instagram. We have a little blog that sometimes gets updated, sustainablebrowngirl.com. And then for more like personal things about moi, I have a YouTube channel and Instagram under Naturally Mermaid. So if you want to kind of see what I'm up to in my daily life, then you can check that out. Perfect. And your Instagram is at Sustainable Brown Girl for, for the pod. Yep. Perfect. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. It was fun. Yeah. Well, that's all the time that we have for today, guys. Thank you so much for listening. And if you enjoyed the podcast, please rate us five stars on iTunes and leave us a review. 
You can also follow the blog on Instagram at Serafina blog and visit us online at serafinablog.com. And if you're looking for our podcast, TikTok, you can find us at, at mindful minds podcast. And as always to end our time unclench your jaw, take a deep breath and remember you can always learn. You can always grow and you can always choose to live your life in a more mindful way. I will chat with you guys in two weeks. 